July is um, kind of a a busy time for Alaskans as we're in the mode of harvesting and harvesting fish. And we went down to the Kenai and got some red salmon. Yeah, a good portion of people here. And uh, so did we. I don't know, you know, summertime in Alaska, if you live in Alaska, you kind of live for summertime. You try to get nine months of living into two months. And, and so you, you almost are, I, I'm exhausted today because I took an extra t- trip down to Kenai, spent the night in the pickup, took a couple people out to try to help them get the reds, and, uh, and then came home. And uh, you just try to put a whole lot in a few days <laughs> in July. And, uh, but it's a blessing. I got a picture here of my bride and I um, out on the Kenai. And uh, isn't she cute? I, she, her eyes are covered up, but here they're not. I mean, it, she got all wet out there. We got drenched. And her eyes just lit up, and she didn't complain. It was amazing. And we got 10 salmon while we were out there. It wasn't great fishing, but we had a good time out on my rubber raft. Show the next picture. Here's a, we try to make it as many of our family that wants to come down, that can't come down. We go out, and this is last year, Micah, Clay, and Zeke in the boat with red salmon. And, uh, and just... And just so you know, it can get intense down there. If you've never been out there, either on the beach or in a boat, um, it can get really intense. And some things, like crazy things happen. Like last year, this happened to us. Not a very good picture because I blew it up, but that's my raft underneath another man's boat. And uh, Clay, in that picture, you can't see him because he's pinned between that other boat and the raft. Kelly's knocked halfway out of the boat. Uh, Zeke and Emma are in the boat, um, and nobody got hurt. So, come on. Uh, the, 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 the cowling on my motor got messed up a bit. But other than that, the rubber raft handled it very well, and everybody's well. In fact, they went back, even though they're a bit traumatized. Here's a picture of some of Clay's family back out on the river this year. And uh, we had to coax Kelly a little bit. Uh, but back out there, they went back out there and got more reds. It was a lot of fun and a lot of tiring work at the same time. Some, those who do it know what I'm talking about. But it, it's, it's with kind of those experiences that, that something happens uh, in me that's different. If I hadn't had this experience, so when Jesus says, um, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Um. And, and he said that basically to fishermen who were commercial fishermen, like Jerry back here. Lay down your nets, follow me, I got a new adventure for you. It's just as exciting, it's just as intense, and sometimes it's just as dangerous. But I want you to become fishers of men. Um, today, I want to, I want to, kind of prepare us a little bit for the shoe giveaway by by helping us understand the why of the shoe giveaway and uh, and actually kind of a pep talk um, as we interject the name of Jesus as as a name of God that we're going to talk about. If you've been coming in July, we've been covering names of God, Old Testament names of God. And uh, last week was El Sali. Tanner spoke on it, which is God is my strength. Can you say that out loud? God is my strength. It also could say, God is my rock. God is my rescuer. God is my refuge. El Salih, he wants to be your strength. 
Uh, the week for the, before that, Clay and Kelly spoke on Yahweh has said, the God of loving kindness. Can you say that out loud? The God of loving kindness. The week before that, Carla spoke on Yahweh uh, Ra'ah, and, uh, which is the Lord, my shepherd. Can you say that out loud? The Lord, my shepherd. Um, the week for that, Jason and Marias spoke on the name of God was El Royi, which is the Lord who sees me. Turn to your neighbor and says, he sees you. The Lord sees you. Hey, you know what? That it, this, this revelation that he doesn't see you like I see you, he knows your thoughts before you think them. That's how intimate he sees you. Quite the revelation. And then the, the we started, I started with Elohim, which is the all-powerful God that created the heavens and the earth. And when I spoke that, I talked about the fact that Jesus actually, it says in Hebrew, is the exact representation of God in human form. And so all of the names that we've been covering is actually imminent in Jesus, the name of Jesus. And so we're transitioning to the name of Jesus. And uh, it's fascinating if we look at, at it. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to illuminate us first before we start. Father, I, I thank you that you exalted your son's name above every name. And that there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess those who are in heaven, those who are on the earth, and those who are under earth will confess Jesus, the name Jesus, as Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we look forward to that day when there is that recognition, recognition of who Jesus is as the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And we want that revelation to hit us even more distinctly and powerfully in our lives today. In your powerful name, Lord, I pray. I want to go back real quick. I got a lot of territory covered in a few minutes because we're going, what we're going to do is I'm going to share the why of the shoe giveaway in the name of Jesus. And uh, then we're going to have communion and we're going to pray over our shoe giveaway. So that's what's ahead of us here this morning. Um, it, in the beginning, an angel shows up to David in Matthew 121, and he declares to Joseph, who's engaged to Mary, son of, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now, in their language at that time, it probably was Yeshua. Um, and people try to argue, well, we should be praying in the name of Yeshua. But the truth is, we speak English, not Hebrew. So it translates in common English to Jesus. So I'm very comfortable with saying Jesus. I hope you are too. For what will he do? He will save his people from their sins. Um, the Lord knows how husband and wife sometimes argue over children's names. Have you ever had that going on? I know Tabitha and Tanner are having this dialogue right now about they're two months out. They better come into agreement, right? And, uh, but God foresaw that possible problem. So he said, I better talk to Mary about the name too. So we see in Luke chapter one, an angel shows up to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will 
Name him Jesus. What's interesting and fascinating about this name Jesus is it, it was a common name. It wasn't like you'd think, well, if God was going to name his son, it would be some majestic name that nobody else would name their kids. No, he wanted his son to be relatable to ordinary, everyday people. The name Jesus, or it could be translated Joshua too, actually means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. And uh, in Acts chapter 4, 12, this is a verse that I have my grandsons. I, I meet with my older grandsons every once, Elijah, uh, Blake, and Bryson, and I have them memorizing scriptures. And one of the things that I want my children and family to be able to do is to tell people how to know Jesus, how to, how to come to know God, how to be saved, how to be born again. In Acts chapter 4, 12, Peter, at the end of his message that he preaches, he says, ends with this phrase or this verse, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. This um, Acts chapter 3, 4 is a fascinating story of Peter and John walking by Gate Beautiful and a man who is lame since birth, 40 years. And he's a beggar. And he's, you know, he's just like, I'm just trying to make, get my daily needs met. And Peter and John walk by and Peter says, look at me, right? And he says, silver and gold, have I none? But then he says, but what I do have, I give to you. Now look at this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. I'm going to be talking about this next week, too, about the name of Jesus. But if you connect it into the name of Jesus, the resources of the Father are available to you. Heaven's world is opened up. Silver and gold. They said, we don't have anything can meet your needs in that realm right now. But what we do have is heaven's resources, which is miraculous power. Some of you say miraculous power. 40 years of crawling on the ground. And Peter and John has this confidence in the name of Jesus to say, get up and walk. Well, the city authorities and the religious authorities, Peter ends up preaching this amazing message. Go back and read it. It's incredible. And 5,000 people get saved. And, and the, people, the religious authorities are threatened. What's going on here? And Peter ends up, they ask this question, by what power? Say authority. It's about authority. The name of Jesus is about authority. By what power or in what name are you authorized to do this? healing stuff. And verse 10, Peter says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. And then makes this statement that there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not woke. It's not politically correct. It's not in the name of tolerance. 
the people accept this truth that there's no other name. But if there is other names, then Jesus lied to us. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How many come to the Father but through me? Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Nada. Nada one. Zilch. Zero. There is this move that's going through America and through the planet and actually, unfortunately, through the church called universalism. Because the world hates this message that there's only one way. Because it's intolerant. And universalism, universalism basically says everyone goes to heaven, whether they trust personally in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or not. In America, 39%, according to a recent survey, 39% of American adults believe that all go to heaven. What's even more alarming to me, that one out of five of evangelicals, the word evangelical comes from the word eulogion in the Greek, eulogion, which means good news. So people who say they believe in the good news of Jesus, 20% of evangelicals believe in universalism, that all people are accepted by God. I, I just want one of the reasons that we do the shoe giveaway is because we know that God wants everybody to be accepted by him. He wishes, 2 Peter 3, 9, he wishes that none perish. That is a motivation. When we're singing this song, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. My spirit is like, like, just wants to shout to the world. He doesn't want you to be separated from him. He wants you to be connected. It's not about going to heaven. It's about being restored to a relationship with your creator and having a connection of his love and his purpose in your life. And he doesn't want anybody to perish. I love how 1 Timothy 2 says, in verses 3 and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. I know this is basic Christianity 101, but our culture is threatening the church and making us acquiesce or causing us, many people to acquiesce and not being bold about this truth. There's only one way. The shoe giveaway is one of the ways that we attract people to the message of the gospel. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to, unto Christ. So I don't know how many of you memorized the Romans road. If you've memorized the Romans road, could you raise your hand? I just want to see. Not that many. Wow, it used to be a, a tool. Yeah, some of the older gents and women in the, it used to be a tool that we were taught to try to help people understand why they needed Jesus to die on the cross for them. And it starts with Romans 3.23. For the wages of sin is, no, 3.23. For all have sinned. Say it with me. Read it up there. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means not one person is qualified to come before the holy God of creation. 
We've fallen short. We've sinned. We missed the mark. All of us, all have sinned. And Romans 6.23 says the result of that for the wages of sin is, is death, separation from God. The wages of sin is death. But the good news, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I had a man in, my, in the office a few weeks ago who had been at our, as our Easter Sunday service where we had baptisms. And uh, he texted me or called me and, and said, uh, can I meet with you? I, you said something during the baptism service that I really, really need. And uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to meet with you. So he came to my office and we sat down, got to hear his story. And so I started sharing with him the gospel and uh, got to this point right here where it's a free gift. It's not something you earn. And he made this statement. He says, you mean I just, I just receive it? I said, well, that's how you get a gift. You don't get a gift by earning. It's no longer a gift if you earn it. The only way you get a gift is by receiving it. And he said, but it just doesn't seem right with all the things I've done wrong. And he has a, a pretty interesting past. And all the things I've done wrong, he said, like, I can't just, like, get it for free. I've got to do something. And I said, yeah, you just say, amen, I receive it. And he said, that just does not seem right. And I said, you know why that doesn't seem right? I get why you say that. Because the pride in you says you have to earn it. You see, the cross attacks our pride. That sense that I can earn something to be right with God provokes a self-righteousness that makes your boast not in the name of Christ, but in your efforts. You disqualify yourself by saying you earned your salvation. Are you all here with me in this room? It's a gift. He came to die and raise from dead to give you a gift. Why did he do it? Here's the Romans road, Romans 5, 8. For God demonstrates his love for us while we are yet sinners. Christ died. He didn't wait for us to clean up our mess. See this, I'm, I'm sharing some of this. I know it's basic Christianity 101, but I want our hearts to embrace the reality that when those people come next Saturday, some of them have been beat up by life. Some of them have gone through the road of hard knocks. Some of these kids have been abused by parents. And, and some of them will not necessarily be dressed or smell attractive. Are, are you hearing me? And yet every one of them, Jesus paid the price for. There is affection of heaven towards them, that while they didn't clean up their mess, he loved them and died for them. I want that love, like, I want to be captured by that love. I want that love to capture you. Like, when you see people, you see them through the eyes of the cross. They matter to God. So how, how do they actually step in and receive the gift of eternal life? Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That, that word Lord as, is the word master. It really says, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I invite your leadership. I've led my life, 
hasn't worked out so great. Maybe it has worked out, but I realize I need you to lead my life. Be my Lord. And then you shall be born again. One of the conversations that we've had in the past is about at the shoe giveaway, should we preach the message with a mic while they're there, they're getting their shoes, somehow orchestrated. The first year we actually orchestrated so that there was games for prizes and we didn't give away the prizes until first everybody came underneath the tent and then we had the gospel message preached and people had the opportunity, kids had the opportunity to accept Christ. We had six or seven who raised their hands. Um, unfortunately, we have no record, or we had records, but we have no sustained record of their discipleship, which to me is like having a newborn baby and like putting them out on the road, hoping they survive. So I, it left a bad taste in my mouth, to be honest with you, not because of anything we did, but because in a sense, if we're going to make them stay and hear a message preached, then we need to advertise it like that. This is not a shoe giveaway. This is a church gathering, and in the gathering, we will preach, but we will also give away shoes. I, I think a lot of times church do false advertising, and, and I think it causes people to say they only care about me accepting and joining their church, and so we don't do it that way. I, if you look at Jesus' life, you feel, find that he often didn't do it that way. Look at Matthew. You remember the feeding of 5,000. Look at Matthew 14. When he went ashore, this is after John the Baptist had died, and he was grieving up in the mountain. He came down. He went ashore. He saw a large crowd. He felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Somebody say compassion. Motivated by compassion, he preached the gospel. It's not what it says. Motivated by compassion, he met their needs. He healed the sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away. Notice the loving kindness the Yahweh has said that you guys preached uh, two weeks ago. Send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, No, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. One of, one of the mysteries of the Christian life is that you and I have been invited into this co-laboring work with God of creation to minister on the earth the revelation of Jesus. Please hear me. This is important, really important. You're not on the earth in the Matanuska Valley or wherever you live on accident. You're here intentionally by the will of God for such a time as this. And the, and the privilege and the responsibility that you and I have as sons and daughters of God is to unveil the reality of his love for mankind expressed through the cross. And we do that in relationship, in partnership. We like formulas. God doesn't move by formulas. He moves by individual connection with his people to minister to those. And oftentimes he doesn't start with the gospel. He starts with meeting people's needs. A lot of times the church is answering questions that the world's not asking. Like, how do you go to heaven? Or how do you avoid hell? How many of you know many people in the world's not asking those questions? But they are asking, how do we afford shoes for our kids this year? And when we step into their need and demonstrate the love of Christ, then the door may be open where they come and they'll say, hey, why do you guys do this? 
Why do you have so much smile on your face? Why are you so happy to be here in the rain? It's not going to rain. We're going to pray about that. Though you guys have been standing out here in the parking lot for six hours helping cars. How can you still have a smile and a grin on your face and greet us with such kindness? And you're able to say, hey, I know that Jesus is crazy about you. So I'm here to demonstrate that. We have booths and there'll be carnival with the rides. There'll be popcorn given away, I think, candy, hot dogs, stuff given away. And in every booth, there is a purpose and intentional prophetic people. They're saying, you matter to God. That's why we're here doing this. We have the privilege. One of the scriptures that uh, motivate me is Ephesians 5, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. I think this is crazy. Be imitators of God. Who do you think you are? God? No, but I'm trying to look like him. I'm trying to look like him. How do you look like him? Walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave his life up for us. This is our corporate opportunity to be sacrificial in loving our community. You guys should be doing this seven days a week at your workplace, at school, wherever you are. You show up this way with sacrificial love, the way Jesus did. But this is our corporate expression of coming together, everybody taking a part of the labor of love and saying, we're going to do this together to demonstrate the love of God. Jesus rejected by man so that I could be accepted by God. Jesus, who became sin on my behalf, that I might become the righteousness of God in him, punished in my place, that I could be rewarded in his place. He took on human flesh so that I may take on a divine nature. He humbled himself to death so that I might be exalted unto eternal life. He became a son of man so that we might become sons of God. If the worship team can come up here and the, those who are going to be passing out sacraments can go ahead and grab them. And actually, they're going to pass them out when I tell you the, this story. And you just hold on to them because we're going to pray together for the shoe giveaway. This, this uh, phrase has become a part of my intercession, normal to my intercession. I pray a lot. Sometimes you'll hear me say it. I'll invite you to say it. Look it up there. May the Lord, can you put that up there? May the Lord who has slain receive the reward of his suffering. Is that up there? Okay. Can you all say that out loud? May the Lord, Lamb who was slain, receive the reward of his suffering. Can you say it again? May the Lamb receive the reward of his suffering. This phrase actually came from the Moravian movement. Most of you, many of you have heard about it. And I'm not going to get into the whole story of the Moravian movement. But two young Moravians heard about this island in the West Indies. On this island, they had this British landowner who had a huge farm, who owned most of the island, who was an atheist. And he didn't want any preachers on his island, partly because he didn't want freedom to be preached, because he had between 2,000 and 3,000 slaves, Africans that had been put there to be his slaves. He did not want the gospel preached. He didn't want liberty to be taught. And so he told everybody that knew any preachers, don't ha let them come here. 
They can't preach the gospel here. If they come, I'll put them in a house until we can get them off the island. Well, there's two young Germans in the Moravian movement who found out about this island and these two to 3,000 African slaves who were on this island and held captive to do labor without ever having an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so these two young men in their 20s, not much older than this group of young people over here, they had an idea by the Holy Spirit, and they said, we're going to sell ourselves into slavery so that we can go to that island, not as preachers, but as slaves unto Jesus. And so they're at the port as they're leaving, their family, their friends are all there watching them as the boat heads toward this island. They've sold themselves into slavery. They use the money they got to get them to the island. And this is the phrase that they declared. They grabbed hands together, these two young men, and they both lifted their hands. They said, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And they went to be witnesses as slaves in this West Indies island so that the African-American people could hear the gospel. There's something about the passion of Jesus that's to motivate you and I so that others would come into the fold. That we would lay down our energies, our schedules, our time, our efforts, that Jesus Christ would be known, that his name would be exalted in people's lives. And we're going to pray over the shoe giveaway. And uh, we're going to pray afterwards, after we take communion together, Nathan and T and the worship is going to lead us in a couple songs. But these are things that we're going to pray together, okay? Here they are. We're asking for good weather. Right now, right now, where's Emily? It actually says it's not supposed to rain on Saturday. It changed this morning. We're going to say it actually is better than not raining. It's going to be nice, okay? We're asking for logistical grace for parking. We're asking God for his protection over our property and over every person that comes on our property. We're asking that the Holy Spirit would fill us with his compassion and his power to love. We're asking for a supernatural unity. One of the cool things about this particular shoe giveaway is we're partnering with um, uh, nonprofit organizations like United Way um, and others, some Thrive Ministry, um, Master Health Foundation. They're not faith-based, but they care about the valley. They care about people, and we're partnering with them. So we have an opportunity like to partner for the same thing, helping people, but also reveal Jesus in the way we do it to these organizations. I love it. Good job, Amberly. We're asking... Um, that we would represent God in his nature well, and we're asking for souls to be saved. Say souls saved and hearts to be made whole. We're gonna, that's what we're going to pray after we get our hearts. Can you stand with me? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, it's just a privilege to represent you to mankind on the earth. I know we can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it in your strength. We thank you for the incarnational nature that because of our faith in Christ, we have the divine nature of Christ in us. We want 
the Spirit of Christ to overcome our flesh and that we may, may step into what servanthood looks like, that our community might see Jesus. We want the passion and the love of Christ that took him to the cross, that compelled him to hang on the tree. We want that same compassion of the Father to motivate us to demonstrate the love of Jesus. We ask that you be our leader. Lord Jesus, be our leader. Lead our lives into sacrificial love. In Jesus' name.